Okay, we're live. All right. Of course, I got the wrong number up there, too. Let me fix this. Good morning. Good morning. Vietnam. Yeah, good morning. Welcome to another day of quarantine. All right, what's up, guys? John Sintes, Cutter Nation Baseball. Cast quite low. Practice it 10 times like he told me to after last time. So low. Like, yeah, wow. <laughs> low. Low. Quite low. Sintes. I guess it's a lot easier to do Sintes. I didn't have to practice that. Uh, All right. Anyway, um, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Mash that like button. It really helps us in the YouTube algorithm get out there so we can keep surviving this thing. I think the media and the way we're connecting in this form is super important. So without further ado, Cass, go ahead. Uh, just Steve Steve McGuigan here. And um, some of you I know watching know who he is. And so he doesn't need an introduction in a way, but I'll let him introduce himself after he goes right up to – Yesterday it snowed a ton in Minnesota. Devastating. <laughs> Tell us about how Minnesota is doing right now, Steve. Well, I'll be honest with you. Minnesota is not doing well. And that's come from a guy who is Mr. Positive. That's kind of my bit. So it is uh, – <laughs> we're in quarantine like everybody else. We're in shelter in place here until May 4th as of right now, which basically means you're allowed to go get groceries. And other than that, you're not supposed to leave the house. So that's where we're at. Uh, and then yesterday it snowed uh, about eight inches. So we did have two days ago, it was 65 degrees and sunny. Uh, and yesterday it was 24 degrees and snowing. So that's even that's even wild for Minnesota standards. Usually you're going to see about 25 degrees difference. But when you start getting 40 degrees difference and you're in quarantine, uh, people get a little negative. So I'm happy to talk to some people from a better spot. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> So, so I will, this will forever be my Minnesota latest snow story. I was in St. Paul. This was like 2013, I think maybe 14. I was in St. Paul and I had to drive to Edina to Nevers Larkin. And it took me two and a half hours <laughs> on May 2nd, May 2nd. Um, we had a snowstorm May 2nd. It was unbelievable. Well, that's almost as dumb as me. My first car I ever got, when I my first job I ever had was working at a place called Drive Performance in Illinois. I took a job for $25,000 a year salary, and I was a millionaire in my head, and I went out there and I started coaching. And my number one goal was to buy a Dodge Challenger. And so I bought that off a $25,000 a year salary <laughs> and was driving around with rear wheel drive for like oh, five years. So, just death. <laughs> My buddy I had know, a I know Jeep. The grind of trying to drive to where I was getting rides home from work. So, dude, my buddy had a Jeep, a rear wheel Jeep. Like that was like, you got nothing, no chance. You don't even have yeah, momentum. Yeah, it would, it would snow, and I'd just shut it down. I'd sleep at the facility. Basically, is how I did it. <laughs> I like He's it. not kidding. I like how you're Mister Positive. That is a massively negative situation, and you're full smiles right now. You're like, yeah. It was great. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, I think most of life is just being able to tell stories. I mean, that's what, oh. what I tell everybody is that if you're not creating stories, you're kind of wasting your time. So that's another good story that I like telling of just how stupid I was buying a car that, but you know what? I'm glad I did it because people told me I couldn't buy the car that I wanted off a $25,000 a year salary and I found a way to do it. So, you know, it's still worth it. <laughs> so it's the experience now. Now that will live for you, with you forever. Okay. That's right. The stories are going to be easy in this one. Um, so 
I want to, I always like introducing people because I don't, um, these, a lot of times people don't know these things that I'm saying. So when I'm saying these things to everybody else, introducing Steve, he also hasn't heard me say this. So, um, it may be in a way I have shared this, but so in Minnesota, um, I was working at a competitor, uh, with Steve. And so I was at Never Zark in baseball, but I knew Kent Hulls. Um, this was a kid that I played with. And he's been with the, the program since day one, the Grum, since day one. By the way, side note, the, the radio is so bad here. I miss I, I miss the fans so bad. It's unreal. So anyway, um, the Grum, Kent Halls. And so this was just something that um, I'm, I'm glad it worked. Like, like you said, I'm glad things work out the way that they do because I was able to watch you guys from afar. And so I basically went all in on – um, becoming the best coach that I possibly could be at the same time that MASH started. So 2012 was kind of my, like, I'm not going to try to be in finance. I'm not going to try to do anything else. I am going to, I'm going to go all in. And um, yeah, so I have no idea if I would have been able to get the skill set that I did without doing what I had to do. And so now we're here though. And, and the thing that I was always impressed me was the, Oh man, this is tough to say, uh, but I'm just going to, I'm being honest, man. I would, I would send my kid to you guys 10 times. Like I, I told people that like, right. and, and that's, and, and you guys are just fantastic from a, I know we can't be perfect in what we do. Right. Um, and so there are, there are some things that fundamentally you have to start from. I'm going to give an example of my, I'm totally making this longer than I thought it was going to be, but who cares? So, um, my CrossFit gym, okay, unbelievable culture, unbelievable culture. They have childcare. Most people don't have childcare, okay? So they get a ton of young families into the gym, and and it's not about having the perfect technique. It's not about, like, everybody crushing it. Now, there are some very, very competitive people there, um, but again, like, they're, that's not what it's about. And because it's about the culture and it's because it's about the people – now everybody can talk and be like, oh, yeah, remember when you did that really stupid thing in the workout the other day that I didn't catch? Holy cow, let's as a team, like, let's try not to hurt each other right now. And, and so those kind of things, because how can you get, like, the best CrossFit coaches all under the same roof, like, starting out? Just, like, how can you get the most technically savvy um, people in a, in a brand new business, right? Like you, you, these things just can't exist. So what you can do is you can create a culture of people that care for one another and build everything on that because it will always be better when everybody's ready to get the next cool thing. We'll all be in on that. And we're all invested in that. When we want to decide to, as a, as a program, like go a different way, you can. So um, anyway, or it, now you have, it's just, it's just unbelievable. It's so obvious that that's the way to do it. And it's so, so anyway, that's kind of what I've seen. Their social media game is fantastic. They, their podcast stuff that they do is great. I mean, Harvey's stuff is, they, they just, they have created an unbelievable team around them and, and they know it. We know it. Everybody knows it. Um, and, and that's why I'm, it's, it's cool to have you on Steve. Oh man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. That means a lot because that's, that's honestly the whole point. Right. That, that's why we're doing this. So when I I'm sure like most guys, we started getting into baseball. It was like, OK, well, I don't know what else to do with my life. Uh, and I was at that point. 
and when we first started, I remember going to like Sunday doubleheaders at like these crappy fields on side fields, and I was coaching a 14U team, and I just got done playing, you know, high level Division One baseball, two weeks of pro baseball. When well, I tell everyone that story, I went over 14 in pro baseball and drove home. So it was like I, I got back home and went, I don't want to get a real job. I don't know what to do. And when I was doing these side double headers, I was so invested in winning and losing. And I was so invested and I was still in the mindset of being a professional baseball player that I really always see those kids that I first started coaching and apologize to them. And over time, realizing that they got screwed because all I knew was to try to compete in everything that I did and win. And I was missing out on so many opportunities to teach young guys life lessons so that when they got to the point that I got to, which everybody does, right? When somebody says you're done playing, that they were better able to handle that. I'm a huge believer that talent wins uh, and you can keep people on the right track within their talent. That's going to get them as far as they can go more so than anything I'm going to tell them to do with their swing. So the fact that that is what people think of us outwardly is awesome and means a lot to not just me, but everyone within MASH because that's what we talk about all the time. Yeah, man. Um, John, what are you thinking? You, uh, I, I wanted to ask about your program. So for the uh, our, our listeners and followers that don't know who you guys are, um, I'm super jealous of the situation that I'm looking at from, <laughs> from, the, from the Instagrams. And um, I, I, could you explain, um, you know, your program top to bottom for us? And, and just, well, this is your second facility. Yeah. So maybe talk about like the growth and what you, where you started, how you envisioned it and how it's grown. Yeah, maybe, it maybe tell us about the facility and the size of it and, and the function yeah. from there. Yeah. So, so when we first started MASH, we started me and Tom Booski. Uh, Tom had already started up and he was, he was with, sorry, I know I'm a lot of talkers. But he, no. had, he had started um, just gaining a lot of interest within the community. And when I came back, he said, let's let's start a baseball club. And we started with 24 12-year-olds. Uh, we created a program called the Mashup, which was basically, okay, what do young kids need? We did an hour practice with 12 players. And then 12 more players would show up. We'd play a controlled scrimmage with those two teams. And then the original 12 would leave. And the next 12 would practice. And so everyone was getting an hour of practice and an hour of game setting per day. So we started with 24, 12 year olds and slowly that just started gaining word of mouth uh, where now we have about 50 teams throughout the course of the year. Minnesota is a little different. You have spring teams, which are basically 14 you and down summer teams, which are 15 you and up and then fall teams, which are everybody. So the, the calendar year works a lot different up here which I really like because it promotes kids to train year round, but also play multiple sports. So our team started growing and growing within a baseball club and slowly like what you were talking about earlier, Cass, is that we just found that we were more role models for kids than anything. Um, and so that is where performance started being a huge part of our piece. So we have an 8,500 square foot gym with three full-time strength coaches I think they're the most, and I say this with all due respect to all of our families, because I tell them this all the time, they are the most overqualified strength coaches to be working with youth age kids, but they love it. They absolutely love it. And they dive all into it. They don't only work with them. Uh, they work with NHL guys, MLB guys, NFL players, um, professional rock climbers. These guys are awesome. So they, they enhance our culture a ton. Um, and then the MindStrong project was also born within MASH. So 
what the MindStrong project is, is basically a human performance um, platform where Harvey was our original pitching coach and just started seeking out how do we live longer? How are we happier? How can we maximize human performance? Uh, so we started the MindStrong project and that's been awesome for our kids. It focuses a ton on breath work and making sure that they can actually apply that not only into baseball, but into their lives and everything just grew. I mean, it's Z really health, Z health, Z health, Z health. Don't forget What's it. That? We'll come back to it. Yep. Okay. But you okay. need to tell Harvey Z health. Okay. Awesome. Keep going. Awesome. And, and, and that's, that's given us a ton of opportunities. I mean, we've talked to some of the smartest people in the world. I mean, John Gordon uh, is a best-selling author. He's one of my personal heroes. Rachel Bolshevik, or however you say her name. Yep, first first ever uh, woman coach. How do you say her last name? I want to say Bolshevik. Bolshevik. I wasn't that close. Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, I wasn't that Okay. Yep, and so we just got to the point where basically our we're full. Um, we're sold out every year within – probably two or three days of us opening up our, our memberships. Uh, we have 13 full-time coaches that work inside of MASH. And that led us to uh, an opportunity in St. Cloud, which we purchased another just under 20,000 square foot building uh, and are implementing all the stuff that we've done in Egan uh, in St. Cloud. So it's been a, a really fun run. And obviously this has hurt the baseball community immensely, uh, COVID-19. So it's just nice to talk to people and hopefully anyone that's listening to this can pick up a couple nuggets and hopefully help themselves grow through this process. Yeah, man. The, uh, for what I see on Instagram, I really enjoy the setup and the size of what you guys have going. I think that um, you guys nail it as far as like baseball facilities goes with the height, the width of the cages, the length. Um, you know, it's a little bit different in Minnesota as you know, in San Diego, I, he and I have talked about this. There, something like a mash, Minnesota mash, could actually exist here in Minnesota, if you know. San Diego. Yeah, I'm sorry, in San Diego, um, if if uh, you know the right people came came along with it. You know, real estate is expensive, but it's also not that expensive. There's plenty of space to find things, but it's just as you probably know, when you get a machine that big, you got to get the right people in place that can handle that kind of responsibility. You know. Well, what yeah, this is people, people are everything. Right. So like whoever we hire, we're very upfront and we've only had one coach that has ever started working for us that actually started working on a full-time salary. And that was our third strength coach, Mike Brash, that we brought on because it was the perfect time for us. He was just coming out of working in pro ball with the Rockies and it was just the right fit. Uh, and he's been an incredible addition, but everyone else has worked their way into what we have. And I think that baseball facilities have to look at their themselves as more of a football a college football program that's what i tell everybody if you run everything like a college football program does you guys are going to be in really good shape and that's how we started and all our practices run like that they're very fast paced we we push guys into organizational like okay catchers here outfield here middle here corners here you basically break it out like football which i played in high school and i kind of kept with that i think baseball gets so boring that you need to match that and you need to hire people that are willing to teach in what we call the mash way and then let them be individuals within that teaching. So I think that the the business model that we have for kids and for coaches is nails. It's been eight years of just perfecting it over time. So yeah. implementing this into St. Cloud was scary. It was the first time we'd ever gone outside of our walls where 
every day I can walk in and go, Hey, this isn't what we're doing. This is how we're going to do this, whatever it is. This was the first time and, and watching us add really quality coaches and having them say, okay, I'm going to buy into the way that this works, but I'm still going to be myself within that overarching philosophy has been really fun because it's a, it's an overall team with individual coaches inside of it. I mean, I wish I had a nicer way to say this, but it's just like, nobody cares. There aren't a lot of people that like go that far into it. You know what I mean? Like, because you really have to, in our industry, and John and I have talked a lot about this, you absolutely have to think about everybody's perspective, right? And so um, as we are hiring people and as we're thinking about adding to our team, it's like they have to really understand where we're coming from because the sacrifice is kind of tremendous on the front end. And this is with find a place in the world where it's not in our industry, right? Like to get in and stay in is so much work on the front end, right? And so you have to recognize that and the people have to be into that and have a plan to go through that, that time. Cause it's literally just time. Um, so, and, nobody but, 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 about it. and that's, that's one of the biggest, I know is they're not willing to sit down with a coach and say, okay, here's the deal. You, you know, you're going to make $17,000 this year. And I can't promise you anything on the back end because you have to do this day in and day out. We call our cages just the the truth tunnels, right? So, like, the truth is going to come out back there. If you're not on your game and you got 13 guys who are in there, this is their this is their profession. This is what we always tell our parents. This is our coach's profession. We're not just here giving lessons. This is our life's work. So when you're back there, you if, if I'm not on and I got a guy next to me, and his financial well-being and his reputation as a professional is on the line based on how I'm acting, you guarantee that he's going to hold me accountable. So this this circle of trust within what we're doing and understanding that our product is everyone's mindset every single day. It's a true thing. And I, I get super passionate about this because I wish more people would understand that if they could just change their mindset and think differently and check in every day of what they can become – now, all of a sudden, other people want to be a part of that. And they're going to give their very best, too. So so it's not only with our coaches, but our process of weeding out. And, and I say this respectfully, weeding out players who aren't a good fit for us or weeding out families that aren't a good fit for us is really easy. And we've done it time and time again. And it doesn't make them wrong or us right. It's just this is how we do things. And if it doesn't match, we just ask people to go other places. I think us willing to do that has been a shock to not only the people who, who we've had those conversations with, but more so the families who love what we do, right? They've been so responsive to that and going, okay, these guys actually stand for this. They're willing to turn away money because that's the reality of it, right? Yes. They're turning away money to create this atmosphere within their facility. That's, I mean, that exact thing, um, you know, Jim Egan, um, their next level program. Like I, I run with that all of the time. I'm like, unfortunately they weren't able to make it, um, you know, their, their differences were whatever, but like the point is, is you saw that, right. You saw the talent that they had and it was like, I don't care if, if you don't want to be here every single time, don't sign up for the program. What are you doing? Like be here. And, and the amount of buy-in that they had was was really remarkable. So there, and and obviously it looked a little different than what you guys are doing and, and it looks different than what we would do, but that's not the point, right? 
So yeah, that's not, and, and Jim's been a mentor of mine, honestly, when we first started now his son plays in our club and that's yeah. a guy for anyone who's listening to this, you know, he played for the Gophers and he's coached pretty much his whole life. He is an absolute no nonsense person. And <laughs> when we started, I was 23. So I was in there 23 years old, trying to tell people I knew what I was doing. And he really just sat there and said, you know, this is how you need to be. You need to have conviction with what you want to do and who you want to become. And that meant so much to me as a 23 year old kid that he owed absolutely nothing to. Uh, and it stuck with me uh, from that beginning point. And it, it's really set the tone for how we act every day. Tell you what, I'll give you my best Jim Egan story. I mean, I have a lot of Jim Egan stories, but um, I saved I saved a, a voicemail from him for a long time. So he he sent me a goddamn. I'm real emotional right now. <laughs> um, so um, he sent me a voicemail my uh, my senior year of fall, and he's and he goes, "Hey, just wanted to leave you on a voicemail. Didn't catch you, whatever." Um, but he goes, "You're I'm more proud of you than anybody that I've ever coached in 12 years." And it was basically because I was a disaster coming in, and I cleaned up my shit and figured it out. Um, and he said it in his own way, but I held on to it forever because yeah, man, it's, it's funny. And I haven't talked to him in a long time. I actually reached out to him last week and we talked for like 10 minutes, but he's, he's dude, Eags is a lot too. Right. And, and it's like, <laughs> oh man, maybe I couldn't handle how right he was all the time. Yeah. And, and he'll be up front with you. But at the same time, like you said, I mean, I think as players, and for anyone who's going to listen to this, that's a coach. I think we tend to forget what it was like to be a player. Right. And we become such a coach that we forget how to communicate with our players and what matters to them and what means the most to them. And he still treats me like I never played for the guy. I never played for him once. And he was one of the only people that has called specifically called me during this time to ask if we're okay, how are you guys doing? Cause we're shut down, right? Our, our business is, yeah. By law, you cannot be open. So I just think it, as coaches, we got to remember what people remember. <laughs> it's a lot of people roll their eyes when I say that to them and they think it's cheesy and they think that it is a blanket statement. But there is a reason that we have thousands of people that are a part of our club and why there's 13 adults that are so bought in on our mission. And it's because of that belief. And so every single thing that we do decision-wise is going to match that top structure. It's impressive, dude. It's so good, man. It's so good. Thank you. It's, you know what I want to, I'll say one more thing and then we can kind of transition to something else. So I had this realization at the 2018 coaches convention, um, as I'm listening to Augie Garrido talk, by the way, were you, you were you at that one? I was. And welcome to the, thanks for having me at the ACBA. <laughs> like, oh <laughs> shit, Augie. Oh man. Anyway, so obviously just floor. And by the way, Ken Revisa was there too. Um, but, but so between the, between Garrido and Revisa, I'm sitting back as a 28 year old coach and going like, God, all of these old dudes keep on saying, it's only about the kids. It's all about the kids. This isn't about the game. It's about your goddamn lives. <laughs> Don't you see? Best ever. <laughs> and, uh, but, but it's like, I knew I wasn't connecting on the level that I could. 
you know, but, but also you talked, you said it earlier, you feel bad for the kids, dude. I, Oh man, if you're doing your job, you're going to do it your whole entire career, right? Look back and go, Oh my God, you had me then I coached you. What? <laughs> right. And, and I hope, I hope people hearing this, like recognize that, like that's not everybody says it like that. Um, Randy Sullivan at the convention said, or one of his kids had said, if you haven't screwed up enough 18 year olds to know what you're talking about yet, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Until you've screwed up enough 18 year olds or whatever it is. And it's like, God damn. So well, anyway, and unfortunately the baseball community is overall perceived. Now I don't believe this to be true, but it's perceived to be negative. Right. And like inside of mass, we can talk about 10, 80, 10 all the time. So like 80% of people are the herd, 10% is positive, 10% is negative. The loudest voices always win. So the culture is going to shift towards that 10%. So in the baseball world, the 10% that's the loudest on paper is the negative. So people think that they can't go out and they can't say, this is who I am. This is what we're about. This is what I actually care about. Here's a kid who is a single A player that has turned into a double A player. Look at his swing. Because you're going to get the 10 losers that go on there and absolutely roast you for what your kid's swing looks like. And I, I hope that anyone who's on here understands, of course they don't have a perfect swing. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Of course, that you could I could go in to your guys' facility and not know anything about pitching, which I don't. I don't know anything about pitching. I tell all my families I don't know anything. And go, hey, uh, what do you think about this kid? He's missing this way. What if he did this, 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 and this? It's like, thanks a lot, Steve. Do you know this kid's background story? Do you know how long he's been here? Do you know what he looked like in his first session? It's the dumbest thing ever. So I, I hope that at some point the, the positive 10% can overtake the negative 10% who just prey on parents who are able to see these people say, if you don't swing like this, you're not going to be successful. And it's the worst thing that's happened in sports. And it's the number one thing that I'm trying to go against right now. And I get really fired up about it because it confuses young players and it confuses parents and it's not fair. <laughs> I don't have a follow-up part to that, but I hope everyone hears that. And I hope they understand that if the people who are positive in this industry are louder, that that will win. It's just a fact of life. I have a, I have a great uh, add on to this right here. I think uh, another thing that people miss going further into that is to realize that the video of the kid or even the professional athlete, that that like, idea the 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 activity that they're doing is is an evolutionary pro you know idea that never is perfect and, and striving for that perfect thing right is is always going to be a thing and and the misconception that pitching or baseball is robotic that it is that easy is is so far off so far off you know like get off your perfect swing kind of thing it's like what if, what if you don't, what if you don't get off a perfect swing right now and you win the game? Are you cool with that? Do you want to, do you want to play, do you want to play that game? Yeah. You know? And it's like, I tell people all the time, I go, people are not playing the same game John Sintez is, you know? And it's like, well, really what I'm saying is people don't realize how professionals think about the game and some professionals don't get there. And that's why they don't become the best of the best. Right. But it's actually pretty easy. Um, but it's not at the same time, right? You have, it's, it's this balance of, and anyway, like there's so much to be worried about. Um, and it's not where your back elbow starts, you know, right. It's like, wh what does that person look like right now? Who is this pitcher in front of me? 
Like, what kind of human are they? And I will beat them way more if I know those kind of things, right? And and so I, I see you grinning because it's it's so easy to know these things. It's really weird that people don't accentuate this part of the game, right? It's weird that the pendulum has swung so far that minor league baseball players are are getting handed reports of their data and like that's their coaching. And it's like, well, I can't, I can't. I can't actually say what I want to say right now because I don't know how you need to be taught. And I don't know. It's just such a weird time in the game right now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I say it all the time. Well, first off guys, if anybody knew exactly how to coach pitching or exactly how to coach hitting, there'd be two things that would happen. Every single person on planet earth would pay that person to instruct them on how to do that thing. And secondly, every other coach would do that same exact thing. So to think that anyone has the actual answers is so ridiculous. All you can do is just continue to be in there and go, okay, what's this? What's this? How did this work? What is my experience with this on this kid? Oh, this worked three years ago with this guy because of this cue. Let's do this. And you try to move guys up the ladder. But if anyone had the actual answer, we'd all be done here. And that's something we talk about a lot within our facility is if we're not doing something right now today, that we disagreed with a year or two ago, we probably aren't lazy, right? So in baseball, you have two distinct areas that people say they're either your, your analytics and your new school or your old school. And for whatever reason, people don't think that you can live in the middle. Like for us, we talk about, okay, we're going to be old school morals, old school mentality. This is how you play the game. This is how you look. This is how you hustle. But if we're not also looking into how does rap soda work, how does video work? How do we make these kids better? Then that's just being lazy, right? You can't use old school. We're old school as a blanket statement for not being willing to change with the times and give your athletes the best possible training that they can get. Because otherwise, yes, then you are stealing from your clients. But you also did it the right way too. And I'm going to say there's a right way because you didn't go technology first. Like you, that was something that I was commenting to John about just like, I know that you guys could have been affording technology way sooner than you, than you did, but it's because it's like, it's not that important yet. Like prove it, prove it to me that that's important. Right. And it's like, cause I know that changing the way that people think about themselves and how they compete is, is going to, it's just so, gosh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I, I process out loud. So I'm kind of saying this stuff cause I'm like, Oh shit, I get it even more now. I understand even more where you guys have been coming from. So Anyway, well, it's just so cool. Using, right. And right. Anyone that's a, I'm a hitting guy. So like with Rap Soto, like I was, this is the first year that I've used Rap Soto. And a lot of it was just learning. I spent most of the time learning. And after we put the Rap Soto out for the first time, I started paying attention to the smallest possible details within every single one of my hitters. So in our cages, our cages are big. Our cages are about 80 feet long, some of them that we hit in. So I get in there and I'm watching these guys hit and they barrel a ball and they hit it hard but it's got total topspin on it. And I'll just start asking the kids without the rap soto out, how did you hit that ball? Oh, I hit it really well. They don't even understand younger players, don't even understand the concept of barreling up a ball. We don't need to have this other stuff out there until they have building blocks of understanding to where that becomes an actual tool. And there will be a time for that, but just throwing out a rap soto and saying, we got a rap soto report for your kid that again, that falls in the lazy category to me. I would, I would assume, and I don't know, you guys can tell me 
because I love watching your guys' stuff. I mean, we use stuff from you guys all the time because I, I love what you guys do. So uh, do you just – do you think that a lot of people just throw that out there and just leave it out front and don't even actually know what they're looking at with reps? Well, well I, I think I agree. There, there's a there's a miss you – know, you brought up a couple things in that uh, thing of what you said right there. There's – you know – as every pitcher would say, four hole high school, you know, drop bombs, you know, I can still swing it. Um, matter of fact, recently within the past three months, hit a double off the wall in a game. So just want to throw that out there. Let's first. go. No, but, but, uh, you know, to me, like I, I had some pretty decent uh, hitting coaches, double A, high school coaches, a double A guy with the second base, uh, with the Pittsburgh Pirates, second baseman. And like just the concept of backspin, like you were telling me, you know, I got obsessed with spin and I've always been obsessed with spin. And like watching guys hit tennis, you know, watching ball guys hit tennis balls in in matches and noticing like the top spin, the back spin, and the stuff like that. And do you think this is a correlation that I think, and, and I want your opinion on it? Do you think that this small cage stuff is disguising all of these top spin, back spin stuff because you can't actually see the shape because it doesn't have enough distance? Yeah. And that's something that we actually did. That's a great question. So something we did when we first brought it out and started playing around with it was we actually marked areas within the cage that you could say, okay, like, and a crazy drill to do to kids too, to take it back even a further step is putting baseball bats or any piece of something that you can lay on the ground and showing guys the angle of what's actually a fair ball. It is wild. It blows people's minds. You can yeah. hit a ball that you feel like would be in the third base dugout, that's a fair ball. And every hitter that's ever done a competitive cage in college knows what I'm talking about. You've never been able to get a hit in a batting cage unless you hit the very back screen as hard as you possibly can. That's the only way that people think there's a hit. Yeah. So, <laughs> hey, Steve, Steve, I'll, I'll take that. Can I take that back right there? Yeah. As a pitcher, I really appreciate all the hitters trying to go up the middle all the time. Right, you know what I mean? Like, thanks, thanks, man. Really appreciate you trying to stay on that cutter away and 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 hitting it to the second baseman. Good job. <laughs> when we did that, it even it even honestly, as a coach, it, it blew my mind because if anyone as a coach is thinking they can just see a ball and hit and go, oh, I know exactly where that went, they're lying too. So putting up those lines helped me a ton. I was like, dude, that's a that's a fair ball. Not only is it fair, it's probably the shortstop. Right. So I think that if you can start understanding the angles within the cage, it changes so much. And and we try to do it where we go, OK, we actually cut our cages in half. So we'll go cut our cage so that guys can hit on the front end. It'll probably be about three fours back so they can see the ball go a little further. But then we have our field station. So like we do small group training. So if you're in a small group, you're going to come up with the coach. You're going to hit with them. You're going to figure out what you're working on. And then we have a field station in the back that people have to go work on their own within their class time. So you're not always having a coach on you because ultimately you're going to have to feel and understand, am I backspinning it? Am I getting my hip through? Am I casting? Whatever it is, they all have individual time within our training to go do that. And we tell people why they're doing it. I think the best thing that I ever told a parent was if you are in a class with me, and this is back when parents were able to come back and watch lessons for us. And I'm talking the whole time. I'm doing that for you. I'm not doing that for your kid. And when I realized that I was over coaching kids 
because I wanted to make sure they felt like they were having value. Um, that was one of my best coaching realizations to be better and just to give kids the opportunity to feel and do things on their own so they can actually be successful inside of a game setting. Yeah. Uh, it's just why we do like people ask how long are our sessions? I don't know how long ever it takes, like maybe 50 minutes, maybe 90, like start, what starts at one third. Yeah. When's dinner? Like, what do you want? <laughs> That's awesome. I love yeah, that. I mean, <clears throat> and do you have, do you have guys who come in? So if you have a one thirty and then a two, will they just overlay if you, if that guy's still working? Yeah. So we have, we have double throwing lanes. And then, uh, so on, on the same point of what you were saying before, we have many of times where we'll say, throw eight in a row and let us know which is the best one right we have Let's a max we have a max of six an hour is yeah. how we do it it's capped at six an hour so there is some overlay and like the i we don't want it higher than eight but it basically sometimes every now and then it'll be eight but that's the highest i don't want it higher than eight the alternating yeah. throwing lanes seem to help with not only the rate be able to use one radar gun but keep the flow right because when one kid throws on one lane, the other kid should be setting up and getting ready. And then while that guy's throwing, the other guy's sitting up. So you can kind of rotate your stations. And then it ends up getting kind of fun, too, where you got one guy on the, on a short mound, one guy on the flat ground, and then you got another guy on the long mound and another guy on the flat ground. So it rotates through. And then it also creates a cool environment where we have eight-year-olds watching 20-year-old college guys that yeah. are going – and then all we're doing is just slipping little nuggets to the college guys going like, Hey, say something to the kid. Like if you see him do something, say something. Yeah. Just, and I haven't, you know, I haven't like ranted on this. So let me go on this because I, I, I used to say this all the time to parents and just like, I know when the eight year old comes in the door and the mom sees him throwing next to a guy that weighs 230 pounds, she's real nervous. And so am I. Right, because I need to make sure that your kid is mature enough to not get hit by a baseball going really fast. As long as we get past that point, that's literally the qualification, right? And so I really don't care what your maturity level is, because immediately that eighteen-year-old they have to be they have to be on they have to be paying attention. We have eighteen-year-olds that almost get hit by a baseball by ten-year-olds because they're not paying attention, and these are problems that need to just work themselves out. Right. And so they need to have the freedom to be able to do this. Like it's crazy how many times we have kids coming into our facility of all ages that are unbelievably anxious to be in a new place. They don't know how to like, they can't handle mom and dad watching. They can't handle me watching. Right. And these are things that need to take time and patience and like that, that whole like feel thing. Anyway, um, I, the whole point of the, the different age groups is, the problems are the same people. It's all the same stuff. And, and to well, have that older brother, younger brother dynamic there is brilliant to me. Well, yeah. And your kid, your kids are extremely lucky if that's the way that you do it. Like we, when we first started doing that here, that was like unheard of that you would have an 18 year old hitting with an 11 year old and the process of explaining to that, to them and sticking to our guns. And now this is eight years now. Right. So I've been doing this for eight years. So I have some kids who are now to that point where they're the 18 year old and I'm going, Hey, I know that you don't want to hit with this 11 year old, but guess what, bud? And, and people don't think this way. That guy who hit with you when you were younger, he didn't want to hit with you either. So your job is to make sure that he gets better. Okay. You're not like better than everybody else. And I think that 
having that thought process of nobody who walks in the door is better than anybody else is so powerful, especially for the best players. It's more powerful for them than for the bad players because it forces them to grow up and understand that their responsibility to the game is bigger than the fact that they're an all-state pitcher. Dude, you're you're wonderful, man. I, I love it. The um, <laughs> um, I'm trying to think about it. Was uh, God, what's his name? It was on Watch Momentum. I'm not sure if you watch his stuff, but one of the guys for the Diamondbacks was talking about how he makes a point to like every chance he gets, he finds kids and gives them baseballs and signs autographs and plays catch because he knows like that's how he fell in love with the game. He went to, I want to say he went to like a Rangers game with his dad and the bullpen catcher was playing catch with him at like seven and he, you know, look at him now. Right. And so, you know, speaking of positivity and, and changing up the mindset of what's going on with the world, you know, baseball could be one of the safest sports to practice by yourself because it's kind of like, it's, it's really hard, you know, and, Speaking from experience, I couldn't throw for three years with two surgeries. So, you know, it's it just something yeah. that you have to learn how to do as a professional. And the sooner you can understand that this is going to be your solo grind, as, as everybody likes to call it, you know, show up for the grind. Like, you don't know what a grind is. Like, no. you know, no, you guys are telling us you're grinding. I, I don't like the word. Gr- I, I don't know if you guys do. I don't like the word grind. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I think it puts a negative connotation on working hard. And I think that we should enjoy that process, especially in baseball. Like you were saying, we will, and we talk about this all the time. You will practice more than you play this game. You will practice far and away more than you'll play between training, defensive programs, practicing, whatever it is, weightlifting. If you're not enjoying that process and you see it as a grind, you're in trouble right? Especially if you're in high school and you see it as a grind, we need to recalibrate what you're thinking and what you're doing when you show up to these sessions. And from a a very surface level standpoint, the only thing that's come out of this thing from a specifically hitting coach standpoint is players are looking at T work a lot differently than they were looking at it a month ago. We used to have kids come in and, and, T works kind of your own time. If you're given seven hours of lessons, any anyone who does lessons knows this. You got about three minutes in between each class where T work or warm ups or arm care starts that you take a pee and you just take a breath, right? And you come back in. They would. Yeah, we don't. We don't have that. We don't have you that. Don't. I've been. It's just rolling. I've been there though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Three minutes. Go pee. Take a breath. Close the yeah. door so no one can bug you. <laughs> That's your long time. <laughs> and then you come back out, and the, and the next group's done with T work. I I think that coaches need to utilize this time to show all of their players, professional and down, the benefits of doing all of these little things and setting up these building blocks, so that when you face a hundred mile an hour machine, you're actually successful. So that's been fun to see for sure from my end. So Doug Latta is one of my mentors and somebody that I talk about a lot. And so I I love how he talks about hitting, but he talks about the grind, but he thinks about it um, a little bit differently. Um, If you think moving your body should feel like a grind, you're completely missing the point, right? (laughs) And so that part, you know, we're coming at it from two different standpoints. So from a movement standpoint, I keep on thinking like, The pendulum has swung so far, right? So we went from, it was like bad for baseball players to lift weights to like now like everybody lifts weights like crazy. And it's like, that's great. 
but are you grinding every single movement or are you learning to move better? Are you trying to make your life easier? So, oh my goodness. Okay. Um, hold on one second. Uh, you, you had a time frame. I just want to, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. So I was going to say, Hey, this is, we need to do this again. Um, we might even do a double podcast because you're amazing. I want to get Harvey oh, on. Uh, we, we can we get six people at once on this, six different devices, so we can get everybody in. Oh, yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. I, I think it's – I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot, and I, I try to get onto these as much as I can because I learn so much, you know, even just little snippets here and there. Of, we call them just gold nuggets, right, just picking up gold nuggets daily. And we have so much time throughout the day, and the reason that I love the people I'm around is because they are pushing their field. And to go from starting – as a baseball club uh, at the most surface level baseball club ever to having a place that I honestly think, and this is to everyone that I'm around. I think what we do at mash in the state of Minnesota is one of the most special things across the entire country. And I, I do believe that with all my heart. I think that if more and more people could come into our facility and be around it and see what these guys are, I'm lucky enough to work with true professionals and so the more we can talk to people across the country that are doing things the right way, the better we're going to be. So I, I get excited for podcasts because every time we hire somebody new, they inject something brand new that I wouldn't have th thought of. Or they call us out on something that that's like, well, yeah, you guys think you're good, but you're not very good at this. So yeah. the more I, can, I can talk to you guys and, and get that opportunity and talk to more baseball people. I'd, I'd love to do it. You got to tell us about your product next time, uh, the app. We didn't get to that. You got to tell your strength coaches to watch the podcast tomorrow or at least make sure they know about it. It's Raj. Oh, my gosh. It's Shadari. And um, I've been trying really hard on that one. And um, and that's not even right. It's Chaudhry. That's what it is. It's Raj Chaudhry. Anyway, uh, Synapse, unbelievable tool. We're going to have him on tomorrow. It should be just 10 o'clock our time, noon your time. I'm telling you, Steve, it's huge. So let's go. Just saying. Yeah. Let's okay? go. yeah. All right. It is so I'm, I'm so glad you have, you got to get going. You got somebody right now and uh, dude, you're the best. Tell everybody where they can follow you real quick and then we'll sign off. Yeah. If you just go on uh, at Minnesota mash, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, recently TikTok. I told our, our social media coordinator, I don't want anything to do with TikTok. You can do whatever you want there. Um, and you can follow us at mash performance. So there's, sorry, there's three businesses within our one business. It's Minnesota mash, mash performance, and the mind strong project. So you have basically your, your baseball, your strength conditioning and your mental and breath work all in one. So they're great follows for anyone who wants to be a, uh, engaging that's awesome man it was really nice to meet you thanks for taking a little time out of your day and, and coming over and jumping on the podcast um if you need anything from us you know reach out and we'll, we'll set up set this up again and, and we, this is too easy for us so we got to get the whole crew on there and we can make sure we got enough time you know yeah, yeah. i love it thank thank you guys for having me keep doing things the right way I, you're appreciate a great it. follow so you guys too you guys too stuff from you appreciate thanks, it yeah you. definitely <laughs> see you fellas. see ya see you guys